This episode of Author Stories is brought to you by the Writing Mastery Academy. Founded by Jessica Brody, author of the best-selling plotting guide, Save the Cat Writes a Novel. The Writing Mastery Academy features online, on-demand writing courses, including the official Save the Cat Writes a Novel companion course, novel fast drafting, crafting dynamic characters, and productivity hacks for writers to name just a few, plus monthly live webinars on various writing topics. Go to jessicabrody.com slash hank to learn more and get your first month of unlimited access to all the content for just $6. That's right, just $6. jessicabrody.com slash hank. You're listening to the Author Stories Podcast. Bringing you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Margaret White. Terry Brooks. Sheena Kamal. Matthew Quick. J.T. Ellison. Walt D. Williams. Brad Ford. Corey Doctorow. Brandon Sanders. Robin Mom. Ernest Klein. Jim Butcher. Sherwin Harris. Visit HankGarner.com for archives of all the shows. Today's guest is... Well, thanks for joining me again for the Author Stories Podcast, where I bring you the story behind the stories and the storytellers. Today, I am super excited to have Wendy Francis on the show with me. She has an amazing new book. It's called Summertime Guests. And uh, as we were sitting here chatting before we started recording about, um, you know, the, the winter and, and the seasons changing, and we, we all are looking forward to summertime and uh th- this book will definitely get you in the right headspace and, and in the right such a fun book uh welcome to the show wendy thank you thank you for having me and thanks for your kind words absolutely uh wendy we begin each show with the same question and that question is what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I think if I go way back, it was to, you know, my childhood when when I was writing stories in a notebook um, and pretending I was Harriet the Spy wandering around my neighborhood, um, taking note of my neighbor's <laughs> comings and goings, <laughs> which really weren't all that interesting, but um, I pretended that they were. And, um, yeah, so I've always loved to write and to read. Um, I was for a long time, an only child. There's, there's, uh, 10 years between my brother, my younger brother and myself. So I had to entertain myself a lot. And that was through reading. Um, and I wrote a lot, you know, through school and high school and I got kind of sidetracked. I went off to uh, law school for a little bit, but decided I really didn't like that. And, um, that worked in publishing for, uh, almost a, more than a decade, um, and decided I would try my hand at writing once I had uh, my son when he was a baby. So um, you mentioned Harriet the Spy earlier. Was was Harriet, uh, you know, your your reading compatriot, or um, what was the what was the first book or author or series that that really um, yeah. solidified in your mind that that reading could take you to a new place? Well, Judy Bloom for one. I mean, oh, we yeah. all loved her. Um, and uh, the Harriet Spy. Um, I'm trying to think. I loved Encyclopedia Brown. Oh, I me loved, too. Yeah, I loved Island of the Blue Dolphins. I loved The Last of the Really Great Wang Doodles by Julie Andrews, whom a lot of people seem not to have heard of, but I loved it. Um, 
where the red fern grows, summer of the monkeys, you know, all those kind of great classics, I think, that were just such wonderful um, escapes. So you said that um, along the way uh, you uh, you studied law and and then went into publishing. What what drew you uh, to law? What what was it that uh, that fascinated you? I was crazy. <laughs> uh, no, in all seriousness, I really thought I wanted to do um, law in um, sort of domestic law, working with children and women um, and pro bono kind of work. Um, and I think, you know, two things sort of made me realize one, I was going to spend most of my time trying to pay off my law school debts, which meant I probably was going to have to work for a big corporate for- firm to pay those off, um, which I wasn't that excited to do. And then I also just, I didn't love the study of law. And I think a lot of people do, um, which isn't to say a lot of people love law school. I think it's kind of, that's kind of a rite of passage you have to get through. But I just found um, case reading kind of monotonous. And I thought, geez, you know, (laughs) there's so much other good literature out there. Do I really want to spend my life writing briefs and reading case law? Um, And so I made a quick exit (laughs) from law school. (laughs) So what, uh, how did you get involved in publishing? Um, well, again, I think it came back to my interest, my lifelong love of reading and writing. And it was, it was actually my mom who said, you know, it's okay that you don't want to be a lawyer. That's actually, that's actually fine. (laughs) And, and you've always loved, um, books. So why don't you try your hand at publishing? I never really thought of it before. And, um, there was a, at the time I was in Boston for school and there was a, um, the Radcliffe publishing course, which is now the Columbia publishing course. Um, which was read under Lindy Hess at the time. And uh, it was a wonderful introduction to publishing and all the different aspects of publishing. Um, and I, I uh, interviewed for a couple of jobs in New York City, thinking I was going to have to go there, which slightly terrified me because I'm still a Midwestern girl at heart. I'm from Wisconsin. Um, but I tried to convince myself that that would be fine. And then... Um, as the face would have it, I, I lucked out and got a job offer as an editorial assistant at Houghton Mifflin Company in Boston. Um, and that's that's how I kind of got my toe in the publishing world. I, um, I, I've, I've known several authors um, uh, who have uh, worked for a time in, in publishing and, and that, you know, served as a uh, as a bridge to, to, to their own writing career. Um, but as someone who was a book lover, um, and who had, uh, obvious, you know, obviously had desires to be an author yourself, um, did working in publishing change your, your mind or, or change your, you know, what you thought about the publishing process? Did it sort of take down, um, you know, some of the, the dreams and imaginations that you had built up? <laughs> Um, well, it's, you know, it was, I got into it when there was still a little bit of the glamour left in it, I guess you could say. I mean, you used to hear about editors going out for two hour lunches with, you know, a cocktail and schmoozing like that. And that, that was, I kind of came in on the tail end of that. Um, but I, I, you know, to the contrary, I think it really enticed me even more because I got to see, um, how books were made and all the different, um, things that went into it, it it demystified the process for one. I think if I had gone into, if I had been an author um, 
knowing nothing about the publishing world, it would have been really intimidating, but it gave me kind of an oversight or overview into, um, you know, that marketing is important and sales is important and it's not just the editor. And um, it gave me appreciation for copy editors. Oh my goodness. They know things that, you know, even us who, we who think we're great grammarians, we really aren't. <laughs> editors everything. Um, and so I think it gave me a, um, a deeper appreciation for everything that goes into um, making a book actually, you know, appear between two covers. So did did working in publishing um, stoke the fire in you to to want to publish a book of your own, or um, you know did it become comfortable? Um, you know sometimes you can work in an industry, and and that be just you know all that you need to you know be close to books, be close to writers, but have you know get to read all that you want to read and um, <laughs> you know so for some people that's enough and 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 I'm not looking down on that at all um but for some people it it just makes you want to do it even more um what was your experience? yeah, well, you know I really I love being a cheerleader for my authors um yeah. I always, I think my problem was I always wanted everyone to be happy all the time. <laughs> it's that <laughs> Western thing. And that's really hard to do. That's challenging, you know, because um, book publishing is a tough world. And sometimes the books that are most beloved that you, um, you know, poured your sweat and tears into and the author has and you think is, you know, it's just outstanding. It doesn't necessarily mean it gets the recognition or the sales that you think it should. And so that's kind of a tough reality, I think, um, in the publishing world. And that can be hard to parlay that news to people. Um, that's never fun. And so that part was a little tough for me at times, I think. Um, and But I always loved the editing part of it. I always loved working with authors, the line editing, the going back and forth. Um, and, you know, I think for me, it was more of... Um, life change, I guess, if you could call it that. When I had my son, um, it was sort of a very difficult birth. Anyway, I went back to work for a year, um, but it was just, it was tough being away from him. And um, I think, you know, I sort of toyed with the idea of doing freelance work or freelance. I did some freelance editing, um, but told my husband, I really want to, you know, I had a kind of a book idea that had been swimming around in my mind. And I said, I think I want to try this. And um Fortunately, he was supportive, and so um, on the rare times when my son napped, I would <laughs> try to write, and, um, you know, I did a rough draft. I sent it out to a few people who I knew who were agents or in the business from from my work at, at Houghton, and um, and they all told me, well, it's a nice story, but I think you really need to go back and work on it some more, and they were absolutely right, and um, and so I did another revision, and, and probably a year and a half later, I had my um, first book, Three Good Things. So as someone who who worked in in on the editorial side, um, was that difficult feedback to get from from agents that um, e even though you said you knew that that was the case, but yeah. was that difficult to hear? Um, sure. I mean, they were all very nice about it, of course, because <laughs> I knew them all. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's always hard. But, you know, I find even as I'm writing, even like on my fifth book. The summertime gas. I, you know, it was with my editor for a long time. She had a baby, so it took her understandably a, a few months to get back to me. 
And when she got back to me, and I had been apart from it for a few months, and I realized, oh yeah, her suggestions, you know, were right in the mark. And there were there were things that I haven't hadn't picked up on either, just because you've spent so much time on it and you're so close to the manuscript. And I always think it's helpful to take some time um, away from it and step back. And then when you go back into it, you have kind of the fresh eye of um, of an editor to your own work. It's a little more objective than you know when you first give it out to your editor. Authors, I have a fantastic new service to tell you about. It's called PubSite. PubSite is a service to help you build your very own website, your home on the web, where you can promote your work and give your fans a place to connect with you. PubSite is a website platform that allows every author, regardless of budget, to have a great-looking professional website developed by the book marketing professionals at FSB Associates. PubSite is the new easy-to-use DIY website builder developed specifically for books and authors. Whether you're an author of one book or 20 or a small publisher, PubSite allows you to build, design, and most importantly, update your website pain-free. No need to be dependent on a designer or webmaster to make a small but costly change to your website. Save the money and do it yourself. PubSite is the best platform for authors because it's a book-centric platform. PubSite was built just for authors and small publishers. Every design, feature, and layout is book-centric. They have customized designs for you to use. It's easy to build. No coding or HTML is necessary to create a stunning, professional-looking website with all the features you want. Get a custom domain name, yourname.com. It's simple to update. You can add all of your books, add a blog and a book tour, sell from any retailer, manage your email list and social media, and even do e-commerce. Build your website with a 14-day free trial, then pay just $19.99 per month, which includes hosting. And we offer packages starting at $499 to set up the website for you. Pub-site.com, the place to help authors find their home on the web a lot of authors have a a desk drawer novel or a trunk novel you know that that novel that you that you work on and it doesn't sell um and then you you know you kind of have that out of the way and then go on to write the book that that uh, that they'll eventually publish um that that original manuscript that you were working on you did publish that one right i did yeah that was yeah. three things yeah but it took a lot of revising. And, <laughs> you know, I tell, I t- used to tell my authors, you know, expect to go through a few drafts before we get to the book your book is going to be. And and it's really true. I mean, I my books go through probably several drafts before I get it to the way I want it to be. So um, revision, revision, revision is just part of the writing, the writing process. Wendy, looking back over your catalog, um, there, there seems to be a theme um, that that recurs in your books. Uh, if you were going to talk to someone who's who's never read any of your work and and try to convey to them what a Wendy Francis book is, um, <laughs> how would you describe what it is that you do? Oh boy. Okay. Uh, so I, you know, I think I love character-driven fiction. So um, all of my novels I would say are pretty steeped in character um, I also love books that have a wonderful sense of place and so um, much of 
uh, my setting, I like to think, almost becomes a character in my books in and of itself. And so most times that's somewhere near the beach. Um, I think all my books are, are summary escapes in one sense or the other. Um, and I'd, I'd say they're also, you know, it's, it's women's fiction. And at the heart, it's about families, women's relationships. And there's usually um, a bit of a, a, a secret or something to be revealed. Although this most recent book, Summertime Guests, is my first book that I guess actually falls into a bit of a mystery category. Um, but yeah, I would say Summertime Escapes, um, women's fiction, and, and strong character-driven novels. Does that make sense? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, Wendy, when when you start thinking about a new project, you know, one moment summertime guest does not exist at all. It, it there's there's nothing about it that exists, and then, you know, something happens. Something kicks off the creative process. Maybe it's a character that you're thinking about. Maybe it's uh you, you know something that you've read or, or a conversation that you've overheard or or whatever it is. You know, the the catalyst is different for everybody. Um, but um, what is that process usually like for you? How does a how does a story get started? Yeah, I you know it's a great question. I feel as though it's always sort of an organic process, and that you have a lot of different storylines percolating in your mind, and I'm never really quite sure which one's going to take center stage, or if they might all come together somehow, and. And so in the case of Summer 10 Guests, I've been thinking about writing a story about four different couples, all in different stages of their relationship. So I wanted to kind of explore love at different stages. So in this book, for instance, we have um, a couple who's recently engaged, newly in love, um, trying to plan their wedding and all those early love butterflies. Then there's another couple that... Um, the hotel manager who um, has just come over from France to to op to run the newly opened hotel, the Seafair, in the book. And he's married with a new baby at home. So he's trying to kind of figure out the contours of his relationship or refine his um, uh, sort of spark in his marriage. Um, and then there is a couple um, who are academics and um, I would say have a very passionate relationship, but maybe that's not necessarily a good thing. And they're trying to figure out what next steps are. And then there's um, uh, Claire, who is recently widowed and, you know, had a long lasting marriage, raised two kids, um, but is also still wondering about the one who got away and what if she had chosen differently. And so I wanted to kind of explore those relationships all along a different place on the timeline. Um, so that was kind of with me. And then where this is set in Boston, um, it's in a particular part of Boston called the Seaport District, which has just become kind of this new kid on the block um, with it used to be kind of abandoned warehouses, a couple of great restaurants, but really not much. And now there are all of these Tony um, condominiums and restaurants and hotels along the water. And it it got me thinking when my family and I were strolling through there a couple of years ago, wow, wouldn't it have been something if there was this grand old hotel that had been here for, you know, since the 1800s on the water, on the harbor side. And, and wouldn't that be cool if we had that slice of history here in Boston? And so those kinds of those sort of two things um, came together in my mind for summertime guests. You talked earlier about um, uh, 
how how a strong sense of place uh, is important to you and 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 how in in a lot of ways uh, place can become character you know when when I started reading this book um, you know you know how you do when when you first start reading a book you're, you're trying to figure out who who the characters are and, and who it is that you're supposed to be emotionally involved in. You know, you want to latch onto a character and, 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 you know, kind of buckle in for the ride. Right. And you, you quickly realize in this book that the main character is the seafarer that like that, <laughs> that's really, you know, who this book is about. If you want to, um, if you want to look at it that way, um, what, what brought about the idea for, for this particular place? <laughs> well, I was writing this during lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) I was dreaming and imagining myself at some posh hotel or somewhere where I would be on vacation and I would not um, be trying to homeschool my 12 year old and um, manage the dog and the house and, you know, whatever else was going on in our lives at the time. So I think that really gave me inspiration to just imagine myself seaside at a hotel that would serve me, you know, a fruity drink poolside <laughs> and where I could enjoy a nice relaxing dinner or sneak up to the hotel bar later at night. I, you know, all of those things. Um, I wanted to go out to the MFA, which you can do in Boston. It's a great treat, but we haven't been able to. And, you know, go to the North End and have a romantic dinner with my husband or take my kid to the aquarium or you know all those things that we sort of take for granted in a great city like boston um suddenly we're kind of we're you know ripped away from us and i think um that was the place the seafair hotel was the place i went to escape <laughs> quarantine quite frankly <laughs> do you- Writers have a tendency to to put themselves in in one of two camps, either as as plotters or you know people that really spend a lot of time uh, in pre writing and and working out the story before the drafting actually begins. And then there's the other camp of of the pantsers, people that write by the seat of their pants. Um, I I have found the truth to really be somewhere in the middle there for a lot of people. Um, but where do you fall? Yeah, it's an interesting question because, first of all, I'd never heard that term until people started asking me <laughs> with the, my first book. I was like, I don't know. What's a pantser? That sounds kind of in- interesting. Um, but I, um, I'm definitely the latter. I'm more of the intuitive writer. It's always a struggle for me to get my outline done. And when I do an outline, it's never anything like the final book. So, um, But what's interesting is that for this book, it really forced me to be more of a plotter, which isn't to say I plotted it out. I wrote it much like I do all my other books, just kind of intuitively having a sense of where the, you know, I always kind of know what direction my characters are going in. I have a general sense of what the ending will be, but I never plotted out chapter by chapter. And so um, I kind of had written the whole thing and it really wasn't that much of a mystery until, you know, my editor and I were talking and we were thinking of how to add more tension. And I thought, well, maybe maybe I could sort of create it so you don't know who falls at the beginning. So I had to go back and rework a lot of it um, to make it into um, more of a, who is this woman who fell or was pushed or jumped or we don't know. Um, and that, that um, 
was unusual for me to have to really go back and, and craft it that way um, and make sure that all the scenes lined up and that there were some red herrings in there and that everything um, added up to what it should be. Red herrings. You mean you you did this on purpose to us? <laughs> just a few. <laughs> just to make it fun. <laughs> just to make it fun. Um <laughs> Because this book does have a, a, a mystery uh, to it, and, and it really, um, you know, keeps you on the edge of your seat. Uh, did you know how how the book was going to end when you began it, or uh, did did it surprise you? Uh, well, thank you. I'm glad it kept you on the edge of your seat. I um, I knew. So I, it opens with a woman dying, right? So I knew that was going to happen. Which you know, unlike my other books, I didn't. I rarely begin with the end. This time I did. And who it was, I had an idea who it was going to be. And I thought I knew. And a couple of times as I was rewriting it, it went back and forth. So, um, and and at one point it was someone who isn't even suspected um, in the current draft, in the current book. So, you know, I guess a long way of answering your question is no, I didn't exactly know. <laughs> Who it's going to be because I thought I did and then I switched it and then I switched it back and then I thought of a, maybe another angle. So um, it took a while getting there. <laughs> As someone who who likes to write character driven books, um, when you're writing a book that has a mystery um, like this one does, was there ever any any worry about getting too close to a character um, or, you know, um, feeling too much uh, in, in that in that person's shoes mm, that's a good question well hmm, I don't know how to answer this quite without you know I think <laughs> without um, giving away anything yeah, I know there are definitely a couple who were harder to write than others I guess I'll say and then a couple whose characters required more research um, I will say that I really got to um, like Jean-Paul, the hotel manager, who, you know, is sort of exploring his character on the page because he's really trying to make things work at this hotel. And then this awful tragedy happens and he's in crisis management mode. And meanwhile, he's got a wife at home who's pretty unhappy, who's just been uprooted from Paris and is now, um, you know, alone raising a baby in her apartment and, and um he's trying to keep her happy and and wondering if they did the right thing by by moving here so he could manage to see fair so um he was surprisingly um because i don't usually find myself identifying with my male characters but um, <laughs> surprisingly i did i really kind of took a shining to him as the the novel went on well speaking of the the pandemic we we talked about a few minutes ago um you know, this has been a, a really weird year for a lot of people. Um, writers tend to spend a lot of time uh, alone as it is. And, and you know, when you're working on a manuscript, it's it's just you and the manuscript and, and your computer or notebook or whatever it is that, that you use to to get that draft down. And uh, there's there's not a lot of interaction with with other people, you know, during that time. And so you would think that a global pandemic would be a great time for a writer to just, you know, blaze through and get all sorts of stuff done. And and it's affected everybody a little differently, even people that tend to work from home and in in relative isolation to begin with. Um, 
how has this time affected you other than, you know, getting this great setting to, to sort of live in? <laughs> uh, well, it's um, how to answer that without <laughs> offending my family. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> It's been an interesting year, I'll say. I um, My husband's working at home, too, so he took over my office. And so I'm sort of working in the sunroom, which has a nice big table in it, but it also comes with... Um, you know, the other side of it is my son doing, he's back in school now, thank goodness, he has been for two weeks, but most of it was, you know, time spent with my son on the other side doing homework and the dog coming in and out, and um, so it was kind of crazy. It was it was probably the least isolating time in my life <laughs> as a writer <laughs> because everybody was home, um, and, you know, funny? people need snacks and um, and dinner and lunch <laughs> and, and all those things. So, um, yeah, hence again, why I would take myself to the seafair. Um, but, um, it was, you know, in other ways, I think it forced me to just focus in a way that I probably wouldn't have been because I knew that time was precious and I had to get things done when I could. Um, and so in that sense, it was probably a good thing. How about well, you? Summer, uh, well, yeah, we have five kids, uh, but five? Oh, yes, <laughs> but our my oldest three um, have have moved out of the house and and oh. all that, and then my my oldest at home uh, is is in college and and she's finishing up, and then uh, our youngest is uh, about to graduate high school um, oh, remotely here uh, in a couple of weeks. So it it's been it's been interesting to say the least. So she, did she have to do her whole senior year online at home, or did yes, she? yes? Oh, well, that's hard. Yeah. Well, and and uh, and and you know, he he had been um, through um, just about the everything, and and then um, you know, it was just easier just to continue. Um, you know, remotely there at the end instead of going yeah. back. You know, it was just yeah. it was a, a choice we made. But uh, yeah. but yeah, he's 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 wrapping it up and and happy to. <laughs> wow! Congratulations. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> who made it through this year? Uh, my hat is off to them. So, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, Summertime Guest is available everywhere now. You can grab it in Kindle edition or paperback or audiobook, which however you like to consume books, you can grab it. We're going to put links to it in the show notes. Um, Wendy, if if people are just learning about you and want to dig into all the great stuff that you do, is there a place where they can find you online and connect with you? Yes, they can. Thank you for asking. So I am at a website. We still have to say www. I don't know. My son makes fun of me. I always include everything. Um, WendyFrancisAuthor.com. And all my books are up there and events and virtual, all of virtual events right now. But um, yeah, it's all there. And then I'm also on Instagram at WendyFrancisAuthor and on Facebook at WendyFrancisAuthor and on Twitter at wendyfrancis 4 because there are three other money fences. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. We'll put links to all those places in the show notes to make it easy for people just to click over and find you. Uh, Wendy, this has been so much fun chatting. Thank you for taking time to come on the show. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Authors, if you're looking for a partner to help ensure that your book is the best it can possibly be, look no farther than Pico's House. Crystal and her staff make a conscious effort to be critical, yet courteous. 
They also strive to make the business side of things run smoothly so that you can rest easy knowing that your manuscript is in capable hands. Whether you need beta reading, developmental editing, a manuscript critique, line editing, copy editing, or proofreading, Pico's House is the one-stop shop for you. Check them out today at picoshouse.com to get started. Are you looking for software that helps you bring your novel to life? Novelize is a web-based writing app which allows you to access your work on any device with a browser and an internet connection. Right from your desktop, laptop, tablet, or smartphone. Just get the novel written. Say goodbye to sticky notes. With our notebook on the side, you can keep track of all the important information you need to write your novel. We keep distractions to a minimum, help you track your progress, and encourage you to write more novels. You can even use the same notebook for your novels in a series. Outline, write, or organize your novel by switching between modes. You can write your outline notes while you're writing, and you can move scenes and chapters around anytime in the organized mode. Choose between the dark and light theme to help prevent eye strain so that you can stay immersed in your book. Novelize, the app for writers by writers. 